it was making me think uh uh watching i can't remember what it was maybe it was tiktok like things that white people say and <laughs> like how many white people can you get to clap on on rhythm one time i think you're too old for tiktok uh, i very it, it wasn't yeah you're right all right, everybody, we are back. This is episode number 38 of No Putts Given, and today we are talking about an update that we're making to one of our tests because of COVID-19. We're talking the best stand bags. That article came out this week, so guys, let's get it. No Putts Given is powered by My Golf Spy, the most extensive reviews in golf. Before you buy, My Golf Spy. Nine million readers do it every year. Check us out. Like I said, we're back. We've got Adam, Chris, Tony, Harry, and I are here uh, all working from home again. So, guys, how was your week this week? Standard stuff. There you go. That's <laughs> standard <yeah>. stuff. <laughs> it's plodding along. Just, just day. Just day. Just another, just another day that's every bit the same as the day before. I had one of those weeks where I was convinced it was the day before it actually was. So yesterday I was convinced it was Tuesday. Today I was convinced it was Wednesday. So we're lucky that I made well, no it one's ca- No one's keeping track of days anymore. I know. No one's keeping track. <laughs> it would have been bad if I was late to something we were shooting in our own house. It happens. <laughs> but anyway, um, so out this week, Harry, I want to talk to you about this. We put the best stand bag of 2020 article out. Yeah. Uh, so I think we can officially announce the winners. Well, yeah, it, it was uh, Ping just dominated again for the second year in a row. I mean, they do some great things that other bags don't do. And in the top, say, 10 upwards, you can see where they've got their ideas from. And that's purely looking at Ping's bag. I mean, they do something different, like pockets, style, the stand system, the straps are completely unbelievable when it comes to two years ago. You saw just ping, and then that was about it. But every other bag that's come up has taken something what it looks like it from design, from what ping are doing. I mean, so what you're saying is that not only are other companies tuning in to our tests and seeing how well ping is performing, but probably paying attention to how well they're doing with consumers. So you're starting to see features that were traditionally uh, part of a ping bag now mm-hmm. pop up in other companies. Yeah, I mean, that's just a testament to Ping in general. I mean, they do the little things well, mm-hmm. um, and everyone sees that, including us, and that's why they're always on, to- on, on the top uh, top of the list. I mean, in the pocket section, it remains compact when the, when the pockets are not in use, but then expand to full capacity so you can get as much stuff as we want in there. What do you mean? It can Break that down for me. Can you give me a the, visual? The structure of the bag, it holds its structure, but it's slim. When it's jam-packed with your rain suit, whatever you put in there, it, the back of it actually expands slightly. So instead of having a, one seam on the back and you put it in and you can only get a quarter of the pocket to to actually have stuff in there, but with the ping bags, it expands fully and you can get twice as much in there. Yeah, so, I mean, I think, I think um, one really high up business person that works for another bag company said it well they were wanting to consider us to do some product consulting for them where we would give them advice on how to make you know a better product right and we went through a bag happened to be a ping bag and by the time we broke down all the reasons why this performed better than their bag 
in a quick run through, they said, well, why don't we just put our logo on those? And um, because they realized how well thought out ping bags are. So when people walk into the store, generally the bags are at the back of a lot of stores and they're kind of a sea of things, right? And the ones that you're attracted to are generally for a few different things, either bigness, color, or features. So people are looking for big pockets, cool colors, or whatever color their team is, right? Or something that looks like they're going to get a big value for what they're paying for. But the reality is most of the functionality of all the features, and probably I would say, Harry, what do you think? 75% of the bags are almost either not well thought out or pointless to some degree. You know, I would say around about that, maybe a little bit less, but it's, it's a high number. Yeah, so more is not better, I guess Correct. is the best way to say it. And functionality is more important. And every single detail that goes into a ping bag, you can tell that not just one person thought about it, a team of people that actually looked into the how that's going to work when you actually go play golf was considered. It's pretty amazing, you know? Yeah, I mean, I'll give an example of that is, say you have, there's a bag that has 15 pockets. People will say, well, why didn't that perform number one in storage? And I said, well, half of those pockets are irrelevant. They're pointless because say you have three pockets on the front, but they all drop into the same pocket at the bottom. So you have three pockets that are literally one pocket. So two of those pockets are, you know, irrelevant. Yeah, so the consumer ends up only using one of those pockets Correct. instead of three. So it's actually one pocket. So it comes down once again to functionality and how you enter pockets and the structure of the pockets and the zipper pulls. I mean, there's a lot of things that go into a really high quality bag that I would say the majority of golf consumers have never thought about, right? But they know it when they have one, meaning when you say the ping bag wins, what you hear is, I've had a ping bag for 20 years or seven years or five years, and it's not even close. So they don't know what it is necessarily, but they know it when they when they own it. Yeah, you know? the, the little things that I'm, I'm, I'm referring to as well, I'm going back on a previous statement. For instance, the rain hood is my favorite thing about it is no one likes carrying a rain hood, but when it rains, you don't have it on you. So it's kind of annoying. They conveniently put it in uh, a little pocket where your back is placed when you're on, when the when the bag is on your back. So it adds for support, but easy to it's get genius. out. It is it's, genius because it's placed in a pla in a spot where otherwise it, adds it wouldn't support. have util been utilized. For yeah, anything. and they and they tuck it away. Here's why it's genius because when you put a strap on and walk with it, what a lot of consumers don't recognize is that a bat part of the bag design the leg structure, the framework of it, hits you right in the middle of your spine, right? Mm -hmm. And it's a problem with, I would say, about half the bags we tested up until a couple years ago. Ping solved that problem by not changing the design, but taking something that was already in the design and going, hey, we already have this like padding stuff. It's called a rain hood, and you don't use it, but maybe two times a year. Put it where it could help, you know? Yeah. It's just, it's well, well thought out. And that's part of the equation that when you're carrying it, the legs would hit your back. But not only does that not happen with the ping bag now, it is one of the best stand systems on the market, right? The stand system is really the best in class, to be honest, because it, when you open up, it's so... Firstly, when you when you place a bag in your hand and you have it on the handle, it doesn't just drop. You don't have to force it down to open the stand. Mm. You just It's positioned in a way where you can just literally just drop it and the stand opens up the without legs. any vibration. It literally just opens up and it holds its position. 
it is one of the best stands that we've ever, ever tested. And they have been for a while. So there's a lot that goes into this test in the protocol. It reminds me of watching the team of you at the PGA show. We were in one of the smaller parts of the building and one of the, I, I think it was a company that was newer that wanted to get your shoes. opinion. It was a, it was a shoes. No, yeah. it was a bag. Um, no, it was minimal. It was oh, uh, minimal. minimal. Yeah, minimal. Yes. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, and they minimal, wanted yeah. you to check out their bags. And I think we were standing there for 45 minutes to an hour. And you guys were back and forth coming up with new ways to make it better, things that they had done well. And I, I was very impressed with the extent to which, A, you were willing to help them, but B, your knowledge was able to look at a bag that, to me, looking at it, I was like, oh, that looks great. But how you were able to expand on the functionality of it. Hey, they call us the smartest dumb people in golf. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all the dumbest smart people, one of the two. <laughs> but yeah, we are lucky. We are lucky. We, we are one of the only ones that get to test bag back to back mm -hmm. on different brands and see which is different. And then we can see trends that are happening within the industry too because we can see bag to bag to bag and test them head to head to head. So and we are very lucky in that aspect. It's crazy how, like, for example... The rangefinder pocket, right? So it went from bags didn't have rangefinder pockets to to bags had fleece-lined rangefinder pockets that were to an extent randomly placed. And now you're seeing with a for a bag that's dedicated for walking that that rangefinder pocket is a, in a place where you can literally just reach in while it's on your bag and grab yep. it. Or you're seeing you're seeing more and more where they're moved to the front of the bag where there's a dedicated pouch there. So yeah, and they're always magnetic now as well for those smart people that are just magnetic because you can just the closure system. Yeah, is it's just a magnetic um, pocket. And here's the and here's the reason why that's important. How many times do you t do you pull out your rangefinder if you own one? and use it for a target 78 how many ever times it is around 50 at least to 70? Yeah, twice twice three times a, a hole i'll use it when i putt <laughs> <laughs> what other pocket do you go into that often during a round you know so your more. pocket maybe only yeah. the one with the beef jerky <laughs> that's the only pocket i'm getting into yeah so it might be one of the most important pockets to not only have on the bag but where it's located on the bag too yeah, i guess yeah. the question i had for you here since you guys look at this stuff all day every day and you said that ping has you know or other companies have started to follow along or maybe ping has set the standard in some areas what specific things could consumers maybe notice on competitor bags that they're implementing where maybe ping was running ahead a little bit like if people tried to mimic the stand system if they you know is it the magnetic closure piece like what what are some specific things that ping has done that other companies are trying you know starting to mimic now all the above. Yeah. Uh, you literally see every part of ping bags on different bags um, from different manufacturers. So what I see a lot is is the structure of the bag is now more rigid um, and has the more pingish look to it because if you have a material that is just flimsy, um, you're going to be the zippers itself. You're going to be using two hands and close open and close pockets, which is frustrating. Now the bag is more rigid and robust. You can just open and close those pockets very, very easily with one hand. Uh, that's just one. I mean, the pocket placement is another one. Um, we see pocket placements where, say, your ball pocket and then the pocket on top where the magnetic pocket is. Sometimes you see all these pockets in different parts of different bags, but now you're seeing them go towards what Ping have done for years. I'll tell you something. Next week on Monday, when our cart bag test comes out, 
Mm-hmm. Look at the look at the pictures of the top eight bags. Yeah, and you'll see exactly what Harry's talking about. the The front structure of the bag, the angles that the pockets come in and out at, so you can get in with your hands and out with your hands easier. Almost look like direct knockoffs of the of the ping bags. What's crazy too is is how subtle some of these differences are where it's just you know rotating the orientation of a zipper by by a few degrees can make all the difference of the world right accessibility or or the ease at which it opens all of these things come into play through very subtle changes yeah that's i mean that's a great point so when you see a a pocket on on ping for the most part say you have a value valuables pocket and it's and it's horizontal that normally gets snagged, but they've tilted the pocket so just slightly, so when you go up and down, it doesn't snag on the material that the the um, bag is made from. It literally just so easy. But if you tilt it horizontal, you then start bringing more of the material of the pocket in, and then it just clumps up and and uh, yeah. folds. Just little things like that. Back when OGO made really good bags, there was a guy that we knew that designed there that. I had never seen somebody, one, first so excited about designing a golf bag, but two, he was more excited about explaining why he put certain things where. And it was amazing, even back then, to see the thought that went into when the bag is on your back, where the the angle that the water bottle holder needed to be at. So one, that it didn't spill when it was upright, but two, when it was on your back, it was perfectly accessible to grab a drink at the right angle your arm needed to move up and down at. And that's the level of thought that needs to go in to winning a most wanted bag, you know, design and test. Yeah, the smallest so, things make a big difference. So why yeah. do you think that Ping is so ahead of everybody else? Is there research and development just dedicated? No, they, they, give, a sh- they give a shit okay. about They the care about stuff. it. And plus, that's the, that's the biggest thing because... Ping do everything in their in their manufacturing. They don't do it half-heartedly. It's always precise and it's always good. These other brands either outsource their bags to someone else, mm-hmm. or if they do make it, they don't. It, it's such a low percentage of what they they make in the company. They just have to have one with the name on it. Key differences I've seen are one outsourcing, where you see the same company overseas that makes a bag for maybe three or five companies. Mm-hmm. So you're in, you're not in control of the process of the design as much, right? Or two, like Harry said, the people that do make their own bags or focus on making bags, there's not a lot of thought that goes into them, believe it or not. And when you test a ping bag, you go, mm, man, like that's what I'm talking about. They thought of everything. Everything almost. Well, and it's, I think that the, the design philosophy for their, their bags is, is probably very similar to what they do with the driver where, you know, there's an understanding like this is, it's a bag and there's only so much you can do and a driver, right? There's, there's only so much you can do within the USGA limit, but if you, if you can improve lots of things a little bit, you get a bag that is overall incrementally better than what came before it. And that's what you get is this, these you know, almost baby steps of design with with each iteration of, of the, the Hoofer series in particular. And, you know, it's not a every year type of thing, but it, it definitely accumulates. The best way to put it has, no, has nothing to do with the bag. The best way to put it is they made a damn driver head cover <laughs> that was resistant to the wind on tee boxes so it didn't blow off the tee box. That's all you got to say. That's how much thought. They don't care. 
if they can charge more, they just want to make it work for the job that it's intended for, you know? Baby steps, incrementally better. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So next week we can look forward to the cart bag. Best yeah, and, and I'm not going to spoil it, spoil it, but little things matter, and you can see it in different bags um, from different manufacturers. Okay. Uh, we also have a testing update. I'm going to keep this in your world. So when we put the emergency putting green test out, which was in high demand. Yeah. There were a couple of manufacturers that weren't able to get us the product so that mm -hmm. we could test. We've since updated, because we've gotten our hands on those products, we've updated the test and the results are reflective of having the new products. So what is the new winner of the putting green test? Uh, it's birdie ball. Okay. Um, it might not come surprises for, for a lot of the consumers out there, but we managed to get one in there and it, Yes, it, it it is a foam putting mat um, and the durability might not be as good as other putting mats on there, but the roll is unbelievable. It is just like putting on a green. It is so good. And you, you've got different holes. You can get them in different sizes, um, different shapes uh, to an extent, and you can they've now brought out a outdoor putting mat where you have the foam that you use inside and then put a synthetic turf on top of it. Um, I haven't tested that one out there, but you can get those options on there. Adam, this is unprecedented, right? That you go back and change the winner of a test. It's unprecedented times, so it's fitting, but you haven't really done this before. Not that I know of. I mean, most big review sites out on the web, you know, that are not golf related necessarily, but tech related or anything. It's a common thing that happens because during the year products, new products come out and people want to know how they would compare, right? This wasn't that scenario. Putting greens don't come out every six months. Um, this was totally due to the coronavirus. Uh, we even tried to drive up to the HQ of Birdie Ball before the test and get one and weren't able to. But, you know, I wouldn't call it unprecedented necessarily because it's not like a huge deal. It's putting mm -hmm. greens. But at the end of the day, it's something new that we've never done. I'm, I still like that we did this because the right one ended up winning. And, um, yeah, so... Birdie Ball has been around, I think, 17, 18 years. Uh, they make a hell of a product, and it showed in our testing. So is that another one I'm going to see sprawled out on our living room for the next <laughs> six not weeks? Not quite. It's actually pretty big, but not. no, you won't see that one. <laughs> okay. We had one over here in the corner that I swear it was there for like a month and a half until I finally rolled it up and kind of tucked it away and hid it from him. <laughs> yeah, you don't, you don't want to get me to... to Clean up the house. You know what happens there. Oh, God. <laughs> All goes in the closet. Always is, in the is, closet. Is the putting green in the closet? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there you go. So just for all the non-golfing family members out there, mm -hmm. be aware that you're, I guess, going to have putting greens throughout your living room or rec rooms or whatever it may be for a while. Hey, the uh, the man, the golf cave is definitely happening in a lot of houses right now. That's for sure. <laughs> Um, so speaking of having to golf indoors last week, we talked about how uh, a lot of golf courses are struggling um, and we got some specific evidence. We had, a, who was it, Adam, a manager of a course send, of, send us their numbers. They didn't want to be named, but they are in the mid-Atlantic um, and the numbers are reflecting everything we were talking about last week. Yeah, it's numbers that we already kind of knew, but we got mm -hmm. some more specifics on the line items of where they're being hit and... It looked, I think, like about a 66% reduction in revenue from mm -hmm. the numbers they provided us. And uh, so, yeah, 
it's not looking good for a lot of courses. That is for sure. And it's, it's a lot of the, the same reasons, you know, that we talked about food and beverage way down because you, your restaurants aren't completely open. In fact, I don't even think that this particular person um, listed food and beverage as any revenue on the different, what was it six months ago and now, or this time last year and now, I think it was this time last year, year and now. Yeah. Um, and year, so yeah. he didn't even list it on this year's. It wasn't there at all to be even reflected. Yeah. What you noticed is round play was a little bit down. It's still busy, but it's not as busy. And reduction in rate for what they're charging per round just to try to incentivize play, I guess. And then all the other line items are affected. You know, I mean, you, it's pretty it's pretty simple math. It, what looks to be true isn't really true on the bottom line. Yeah, you get one to a cart, that's, and then you run out of carts, so you can't recycle them. You have to clean them down. It's Yeah, it's tough well i understand the thinking of everyone saying golf courses are packed they've got to be making a ton of money it's the same thing that i think when i drive by chick-fil-a because their cars are wrapped around twice they've got to be making more money now than they did before the virus chick-fil-a is not hurting (laughs) no (laughs) but you would think the same thing when you drive by the golf course and you see people backed up and waiting we live on a golf course and that's what we're seeing here but the numbers well i don't know if that if the green fees outweigh everything else. It might seem busy, close. but when it comes to food, mm-hmm. every little thing that is that comes with a golf course, you, it's that's where it's falling off. Yeah, setting them hard. Well, and really, it's a piece of two. You know, people have their perceptions, right? And most people probably don't understand where golf courses actually make money, mm-hmm. right? They, don't, I mean, they don't sit there and examine the financials and understand. You know, maybe they do kind of not inherently totally understand but they get an idea that okay there's markup on food and beverage yeah that tends to be more expensive at places but if you actually look at the balance sheet and understand okay how much do they actually make off like fleet rentals for carts right Mm -hmm. how much are they actually paying certain staff like what does maintenance actually cost right and how long could you go without maintaining parts of a golf course before you would lose them um you know and and have to put a lot more money back into them to get them back to where they were just a couple weeks ago people probably just don't understand that and that's no fault of their own but you see a lot of you think oh golf course is the most important thing right people playing eh, maybe maybe not i think that the tournaments the canceled tournaments are, are probably going to be the biggest killer you know i know again my my home course in a, in a given year the biggest single line item is a is a tournament which you know i, I think the the line item uh, revenue is about fifty thousand dollars for one tournament, and you know even if you you lose that one and then you lose a bunch of smaller ones and there's no place to put them. This person mentioned that you know they canceled a lot of tournaments. Um, I think out of the three hundred tournaments that canceled, fifty of them rescheduled for a later date, and you go, okay, we got some money back. But no, actually, those fifty that rescheduled just replaced a date for a tournament that was already there anyway, right? So that that's a massive number that you're losing. All right. Well, perception isn't always reality. So we'll move on from that and see if we get any more information as we go on. And hopefully as things start to open up, they get to recover a little bit. Um, but Tony, this week, an article on sub 70 irons went out. You want to touch on that a little bit for me? I mean, it's just, I would say a, a new offering in the player's distance category was that I Chris could tell you the model number, but it's a it's a pro version of of a of a model that they've had out for a while. So everything you would expect from a pro model, right? Just a little more compact, little let a little less offset. That mud it out. That kind of thing, and yes, and and a black finish. 
Yeah, sort of, yeah, specifically talking about the 699 and 699 Pro, the the 699, the slightly larger model did really pretty well. Uh, I think it was 6th in our uh, player's distance category a year ago. Um this model wasn't included, wasn't available at that time and so yeah, it's just a slightly different offering. The bigger context to this again is sub 70 as a direct to consumer brand kind of going back to some of those touch points from a week ago is how are these companies faring and how are they going to do and it was uh, really interesting reading a lot of the comments from the article. It kind of backs up what you know what we know just from looking at all these different companies is when prices get relatively close, what do consumers really care about? How they're treated. And the number of people that po- you know you know commented positively, um, and I put in the article at the end, you know, hey, call this phone number. It's the owner's cell phone. He'll pick up. Um, and he does. And so people that are having a positive experience with the company, yeah, the product is good or good enough. It's maybe a middle-of-the-road type performer uh, considering the entire landscape. But people that love Sub-70 and love their products, the product is one part of it, but it's the bigger picture of that customer feels valued. They feel important. They feel like they're part of what that company is doing and they feel like they can reach out to the owner at any time and ask him a question. And, um, you know, that's a differentiating thing that they've really started to figure out and done a really, really good job with. And I think as we move forward and we see all this price, you know, slashing and cutting, et cetera, that's going to be temporary, but the relationships that you establish with customers, you know, outlast these type of short, um, you know, price reduction. So that's kind of the larger context too, but certainly one to look at. Um, certainly one that, you know, we'll be looking at a little bit more specifically as we can get back up and testing too. We've talked about this on the podcast before that direct to consumer brands, one of their biggest hurdles is that they don't have the retail space that you can go touch it, feel it, try it out, see if it fits you. So Adam, you actually had a really good analogy or comparison about this to a more mainstream uh, brand that kind of mirrors direct to consumer brands in golf. Yeah, I mean, look, at the end of the day, there's direct to consumer consumables like golf balls and direct to consumer more expensive items like golf clubs, right? And at $30 for a direct-to-consumer ball, consumers are more willing to go, hey, I don't really have to touch, feel, and see that. Just give me a dozen, I'll give them a try, right? At $500 for an iron set or whatever, a DTC club that can't touch, feel, and be seen needs to attack some hurdles that are, you know, that's that the DTC model creates, right? And... It's similar to, let's say, Zappos. Zappos came out and they sold shoes no different than any other shoe company on the internet at the time. And people were going gaga over Zappos. And why that was, if you look behind the structure of the company and the owner, he wanted to look at, all right, what are the biggest hurdles for a company that ships a product like a shoe? Online, right? And at the time, it was free shipping. Customers wanted to not pay more shipping, right? And they wanted to be able to try stuff. So Zappo said free shipping on everything and you'd get it like in a day. It was crazy. And you could try it on. And if it didn't fit, looked ugly, whatever, you didn't like it, you just put it in a box and send it back. And guess what? They sent you whatever you wanted next. Problem solved, right? From a customer service standpoint. Sub 70 is doing something similar. You can't touch, feel, and see my product. It's a little bit of, you know, there's some cheddar there you got to spend, right? 500 bucks. But I got, here's my cell phone number. Call me. Right? There's not many golf companies doing that right now. Uh, Snell does a really good job by signing every package that goes out, and customers love that, right? Sub-70, you can call the owner. 
Customers love that. Uh, it's an access point that others aren't allowing. And it knocks down that maybe hurdle for customers that are going, well, I can't touch it. Doesn't matter. Love this dude. You know, send me a set. They'll give it a shot. You can order a demo club from them to see how it looks and feels at, um, at address. So they are kind of bridging that gap a little bit if you want to hit them and see what they look like at address and, and see if they fit your swing. Uh, so they are offering that. So a little bit more security to know if you don't like it, you can send it back or at least try it and there's a guarantee. Yeah, you can try I th- I think it's normally probably a seven on. I think they, they send out and you hit them. And I've hit them in the, in the studio and it's got my head thinking, the, the hollow body within those irons, it's in between a click feeling and a solid iron. It's, it's a really good feeling iron in my opinion. And the numbers are already are, are good on the, on the launch monitor that I got. Test, hey, testers really loved those, didn't they? Oh my, they went nuts over them. Like, yeah. I've still got guys that are my friends saying, hey, I've just phoned up Jason to try and get some demo sets or demo clubs sent. Because there's about three or four of my, my mates that want to uh, give them a go. Because, I mean, the price to, at a point, a, a, a price point that people don't mind spending that much on a, a good quality product but not breaking the bank at the same time. Yeah, they're um, 90, 90 bucks a stick, right? Right, right. On, on the iron. So compare that to, we've seen market averages go up to almost twice that, you know, 175, 180 bucks a stick. There's a, you know, there's always a market, I think, for for the value conscious customer. And even like we said, when price gets relatively equal, like I think about it, like you want to go out to eat at a restaurant, not, you, not that you can go out and eat anywhere right now, but if you had three, four, five places that are all within a dollar or two of each other entree wise, like you're sitting there thinking, okay, I'm not going, oh man, the Cobb salad is 15 bucks at this place and it's 13 here. So I'm going to go there. You're thinking, you ain't you know, eating I, no Cobb salad. What are you talking <laughs> about, man? I was, I just wanted to see it, see if anybody would go with that one. What's I mean, I love how you use food for every analogy on the show. But it's awesome. <laughs> but my point is this: Where are you going to go? Where did you get the best service? Where did you like the ambiance? Where did you know? Did the owner of the restaurant, the manager, stop by and say, "Hey, how's your meal today?" You know, did the meal come out a little bit late? And they said, you know what? We're going to take care of your dessert today. You know, it's, it's you're going to go Chris. back and you're going to pay whether it's a dollar more or a dollar less. Now, people remember how they felt about the transaction and PXG gets that sub 70 gets that. Um, I think there's a, a Snell certainly gets that. There's a handful of companies that understand the currency of the relationship is far more expensive than the currency of the transaction. Yeah, and in a time where customer service, right, sucks. I mean, it's at an all-time low. At It's just deplorable, right? I mean, we've all sat on hold with companies for hours on end, and then you get to talk to somebody, they hang up on you, you got to call them back. I mean, we've all, I mean you want to you destroy your phone, you know what I mean? And you can't do anything about it. I mean, customer service in a time where customer service is lacking, there is there is a real premium put on that. And if you do it well, you can make a make or break your company by just having good customer service. Precision Pro, I throw in there too. They do a phenomenal job. Another one. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of brands out there, but highlight ones that we know too from personal experience. They're going to take care of you. You know. Yep. Hey, Tony. Have there been any, been any earth-shattering new revelations in the Ball Lab this week? Uh, nothing earth-shattering. It's, okay. it's been an interesting week as I'm winding down. I couldn't tell you exactly the, the count at this point. It's 600 and something balls tested, so 
divide that by 12 more or less and you'll you'll get to whatever however many dozen we've done so uh, i'm gonna get that finished up that initial load finished up this week there's more coming i just got to pick them up we had uh, a buddy of mine order them so that you know my name and my golf spy wasn't attached to anything from from some of the direct-to-consumer brands so we're gonna get going on those so is it considered an undercover operation then. Yeah, it's a little bit undercover. <laughs> you know, no more than it has to be. That's the only way to do it because that way you know you've got balls that are coming straight from manif- um, straight from like a Dick Sporting Goods or Retailers. any retail stores, and it's not being handpicked. Yeah, I mean, into a nice I'd, new box to I'd, put towards the test. <laughs> I'd like to think they wouldn't go through the trouble, but yeah, it's it's just it's just an extra measure. To get it at retail, and again, I've mentioned it before, the it's it's not an inexpensive thing to do in the quantities we're buying, but it is a rare opportunity where you can you can get a, a decent sample size across the board uh, without relying on manufacturers to provide product. It's a lot of uh, dotting I's, crossing T's, rechecking some of the things, building block, exciting things like box and whisker plots so that we can you know identify really kind of wild outliers box and whisker plots i don't think i've heard that yeah. since what did we we learned that in like fourth it's, or fifth yeah, grade that's, i mean i don't know i don't even remember when i learned it i just know i, I harry I, harry when did you learn it just now <laughs> i don't know what it means what does it mean today it has been old. exactly it's been exactly today's uh today years ago since harry learned about you learn box and you whisker learn something plots. new every day don't jerry that's a box and whisker right so at some point or look another, at harry's face We've got like a, <laughs> we've got like a median or an average and an outlier, and then you indicate it with the box, right? That's this is way works. too much information that I can handle right now. <laughs> wait, wait till you see. Yeah, so it's it's just going back and and getting a sense of all right, what do we need to recheck? And the other thing I'm doing, and I mentioned this, so I had a call yesterday with one of the manufacturers. I had a call today with the guy that we got our gauges from. That you know we we touch on some of this stuff as well when we talk to him, and it's just. Kind of double checking, say, all right, is there anything we're possibly missing when we get weird measurements and and things like that? And it's not particularly, you know, earth shattering again, but something is, I mentioned last week, doing a visual inspection of the golf ball. So talking to people and saying, all right, you know, here are the, here are what I'm, what I'm seeing when I look at a golf ball. How much of this really matters? What should I be concerned about? You know, what should, for lack of a better term, what, what should, what should I use as the basis to dock somebody's score? And so to get answers to those kind of questions and, and go, hey, you know, or why are these balls small and, and why are these these balls big? And I'll tell you right now, I know people have been waiting us for, for us to name names. The Kirkland signature, the three-piece, the performance, is it, what is it, performance plus, performance one, I can't even remember what's on the side stamp. If you look at the measurements individually, it looks pretty good. And then you look at the sample size and basically what we have is our, you know, what I would loosely describe as three boxes of snowflakes, you know, like literally no two are quite the same. So it's just sort of like, yeah, it's individually, it's a, it's a, it's okay. But as a group, like this, this ball is all over the map. So it seems obvious, right. To a lot of people, why they might deviate from certain specs. But I feel like we got a lot of those questions on Twitter and Instagram too. Like, why would they want the ball to be slightly too small or slightly too heavy like maybe explain like why they would want to err on one of those metrics one way or another of what benefit would that be yeah good question why why would a company make a big ball why would a company make a small ball so small ball small ball there's two reasons um first from a performance perspective 
uh, particularly at higher swing speeds, which is essentially kind of your, your primary tour ball audience. A smaller ball is, is going to get you a little bit more distance. Um, and, and this is the other piece is a smaller ball from a materials perspective saves you a little bit of money. If you can kind of shave that much out of your material costs every time, you, you can save a little bit of money. Um, All right, and big ball, right? CG changes, ball gets up quicker. Yeah, and this is, I mean, this is, again, if you look at what how Callaway talks about their, their super soft magna, this is a, a pretty good explanation of that, right? As you, with a bigger ball, you raise that CG center of gravity slightly higher off the ground, right? So you sort of have more golf ball under the equator. And if, if you're a guy who struggles to get a ball airborne, you know, basic... You know, golf 101, right? Hit it in the air. If if that's a challenge, that that's kind of where the idea of a game improvement golf ball comes in. So in that capacity, like uh, a, a bigger ball makes sense. What doesn't make sense is where you have, you know, a dozen or three dozen or whatever, and you have some big balls and some small balls and some medium-sized balls and some some heavy balls and some some light balls. And That's a chop-up, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is like before we move on, but... When I, when I see different colored gloves, I know the material changes and performance. So bear with me. So when I have, say, a blue or a yellow glove, the, the texture of the material of the leather actually hardens and, and changes performance a one? of a white one. Okay. That changes the performance of, of that glove. Now, it's the same thing with colored golf balls. Does yellow and matte golf balls change the velocity and xyz when it comes to performance i don't i don't have a hard answer for you on sort of in in basic terms yellow versus white for example so there's some different chemistry that goes into making a tour ball yellow so that could have some influence and it's certainly been suggested uh the one thing i will say and i will continue to say it and hope people hear me and listen to me and and stop doing it matte finish golf balls Something in the finish properties, the water does not, if you kind of, when you have a matte finish ball, the water stays in contact on the surface of the ball longer. And so what you get in wet conditions are higher launch and lower spin relative to what you would get with a traditional flash white or non-matte ball where, think about like in the, if you're first thing out in the morning, right? If there's dew on the ground, if you, you hit into some some wet rough, any anything that is going to put moisture on that golf ball is going to introduce inconsistency or lack of predictability in the performance of that golf ball with, with a matte finish more so than a white. Okay. So why do you think golf companies made matte golf balls then? Because consumers buy them. Like it's really matte. It's, everything was a trend for a while. Like you were getting matte finishes on cars, matte finishes on bags, matte finishes on shoes. Why not golf balls? Right. It looks cool. I, so that that's my point. Do you think they actually tested this and found this out before they made matte golf balls? Or no. And if so, why would they have released? They them? know that absolutely. Yeah. I mean, now look. Yeah. They all know it, but they all know it now. Well, no. They all knew it beforehand for, you know, like a lot of the stuff that that we say that people think is kind of out there or, you know, groundbreaking or what, however it's viewed, right? It, a lot of stuff is is the ball industry going, yeah, well, yeah, we kind of knew that, but there was a sales opportunity or or a market opportunity. And that's, I mean, that's just business and I understand that, but... I don't know, man. I think the first companies that did it were like the Volvix and the Wilson. I can't remember who were first to do Matt, but I don't know if they really did any testing to find out if this was a bad performer. 
look at where you see mat balls. So if you look in what I would consider to be the, the upper echelon of, of the tour golf ball world, right? So Titleist doesn't make a, a matte Pro V1. Bridgestone doesn't make a matte finish Tor B. Shrixon doesn't make a matte finish Z Star. And I can go on and on the list, even the, the Snells. and t- That's my point. You do not see a matte finish on a high performance golf ball. For a guy who's going to spend $20, $25 on a dozen, and, and, you know, again, for a certain guy, look, I, I will go to my grave again maintaining that a red golf ball from a visibility standpoint in the air, if if that's your biggest concern, right? As we get older, there are certain people who, for whom being able to see the ball is the most important thing. And that, that makes sense to me. So yeah, in, within that context, I say there's nothing better than a matte red golf ball if you're trying to keep track in the, in the air. But once you get to the point, well, are there any performance implications based on the finish of this golf ball? Matt, absolutely, 100%, no doubt about it. So that's why Bubba Watts is not playing that ball anymore. He never played a matte finish ball. He played a yellow ball. He played a yellow ball. He did not thought he played a matte finish ball. No, just just a yellow ball. And he plays a yellow Pro V1. Pro V1X, I believe. Yeah, you see, where do you see those matte balls? You see them in a big jar, like a novelty jar at the, you know, by the register at your golf course. You see them in them 18 packs, if you know what I'm saying. Right. Yeah, and, I, and I've talked to some guys about it, and again, it's you know, it's sort of it's one of those those nuanced things where it's like, well, it's 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 not the matte finish itself; it's the other steps that are necessary to make a matte finish kind of type of thing. But like, ultimately, it's from my perspective, the consumer perspective, yeah. So it's it's a problem with matte finish that hasn't been solved. And look, if the day comes when that is solved, I'll I will be the first guy. I've I've you know, if you followed me last year on Twitter, I was constantly banging on the Bridgestone guys to make me a red Tor BX, but but not a matte red Tor BX. Like, I, I love red golf balls. The visibility is awesome, but it's it's not worth the inconsistency and with a little bit of water on it. So Tony, so Tony, your thumbs down on the on the uh, matte balls. Double thumbs down. Double thumbs down on matte golf balls. So what you're also telling me is next time I go putt-putting, when I pick the ball out of the basket that they have at the counter, it matters. I should be more selective. <laughs> Boy, I don't, you know, that, I, yes. haven't done, I haven't done the putt-putt test. We should get a dozen putt-putt balls and run those through ball lab just to see <laughs> yeah. what that. Hey, that's a great question. Tony, when you go play putt-putt, do you bring your own ball or do you play with the putt-putt ball? Please tell me you don't well. bring your own ball. <laughs> no, no. I, he, he did before you asked him. I need to win. I need to win in my life. <laughs> Yeah, who's the who's the current reigning champion? John Barba. Barba. Yeah, Barba. it's Barba. Yeah, mm-hmm. that yeah. ain't right. Down in Orlando, that was fun. I didn't go to I didn't go to the PGA show, so I couldn't. Hey, uh, good news! Sure. Best thing that could come out of this, Tony. No PGA show this year. <laughs> well, that was Boom. so far. We'll see. I mean, it was the the uh, what they've canceled so far is the the Las Vegas show. I right? understand but, that, but you and you and me are praying. Not very often, but. No, I, I Tony. Won't. Tony secretly missed out. He wanted yeah, to be. I missed jealous. last year, so I or th- technically this year, I missed the last one. So I'm like, wait a second, go are you going to tell me for the very first time in our career that you want to go to the PGA show? Well, right now, but oh <laughs> god, what is happening <laughs> to you? I don't know. I don't if you know. want any place to spread viruses, I seriously think that it's a conspiracy. The PGA show is to spread the flu. Oh my god, the food court, <laughs> like that's. I come home sick uh, every year from that place. It's oh, never wow. never affected me. I think I'm immune to it. <laughs> Some of the places I've eaten, I can understand why though. But it makes and, sense. And more so, probably 
you know, the reason I might be looking forward to it, I guess. I cannot uh, believe it. I'm with you. I don't think it's going to happen, just to be clear. But I think, you know, missing it and with, with everything that's going on with with launches being delayed and just kind of like we would be starting to get into just a little bit kind of the early travel season for sort of summer releases and things like that. So these are, you know, I like I like seeing our our buddies and our contacts across the industry and that's that doesn't look like it's going to happen for for quite some time so i'm like yeah it'd be nice to see the guys but phone works a little bit see this it goes it proves it's true you you don't want to do anything until they tell you you can't do it like we were in walmart the other day and all the bikes are gone the bikes have never been gone in walmart but because they're telling you you can't go outside and be social gosh darn people are going to go outside and be social so tony they're telling you you can't go to the pga show so now you're going to stamp your feet and say i want to go to the pga show <laughs> are you saying nobody wiped their ass before coronavirus like this? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of colored golf balls, I was watching an interview about the match with Tom Brady and Phil Mickelson and Peyton Manning and Tiger Woods, and Peyton Manning was telling a story. What? I can't wait for this. I think I might tailgate it. I swear to goodness gracious. I'm going to have Harry pull his truck up to the front door, and I'm going to tailgate it because I've been waiting for live sports for so long. Uh, And it's golf, but I still get two football quarterbacks, so it's going to solve some of my problems. um, I'm much more interested in that. Taylor made thing with Ricky Fowler and Dustin Johnson and whoever the hell else they've got. Matt Wolf. Okay, well, sure, that sounds like a real person. Yeah. Anyway, my story was uh, Peyton Manning was telling a story about the last time he golfed with Tiger Woods, and he said he had burned through, like, I think a 12-pack of golf balls. He couldn't find them. So one of his Broncos teammates was with him, and he said, hey, hey, man, can I have a ball? And he's like, the only one I have left is yellow. And Peyton was like, I would rather go dig through the water to find a white ball than play a yellow ball against Tiger Woods. But um, my point being, outside of Tony, I suppose, is are we excited for this? What do we think? Think. I think it'll be fun. Yeah. I think it would just be fun watching. I'm looking for the shanks. I'm looking for the chunks. I am looking for the skies. That would be like <laughs> relating to me more than seeing a ball go down the middle of the fairway. Ball on the green. Oh, made a putt. I want to see the amateur side of the golf. I think they they 100% admitted in the interview that I watched that they weren't only amateurs, but probably like a level below it. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're good players, but I, I still want to see them shank it. That's my goal. <laughs> I want to watch Tony. I want to watch two screens. You want to watch I'll, me watch? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have two screens. One is going to watch it because I'm kind of interested. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm relatively easily entertained for whatever that's worth. But I want another screen on – I want to watch Tony watching it. That would probably give me as that would give me as much joy. You should lock Tony in a room and force him yes. to watch it and put a, a okay. webcam on him the whole time. <laughs> Live stream it. Like it's funny. Like it's, it's when I when I posted whatever I said about not giving a shit on Twitter. People were like you're gonna watch it. I'm like, I'm really no. Like when why when aren't you it, interested? I'm, I'm gonna level with you, Miranda. Okay. I watch. Here, here's what I watch for golf every year, and I know this is like I'm not I'm not a PGA Tour fanatic guy. I mean. That's half of half of why we don't cover the tour that much on my golf spot, and the other half is because Adam's so. not a PGA Tour <laughs> fanatic either. Um, so, like, I legitimately, really, in from one week to the next, don't care. So, I'll watch. I'll watch majors, and I will pretend to be interested in in a typical Sunday afternoon finish as an excuse to literally not do whatever my wife has in mind for me like look I, you know i i can't i can't 
clean X, fix Y, whatever, because I have to I have to watch this. It's research, this right? Annual running of who gives a sh- the who gives a shit open for work, you know. So, I mean that that's kind of where I am anyway. And so a a an exhibition, regardless of the fact that we have no other live sports, like uh, legitimately, I would probably watch marble racing before I would watch this if left that's to my own rough. devices. What chores would you do instead of watching? Oh, yes, good question. Yes. <laughs> Maybe I will finish the trim in the dining room. Like, I don't know. I'm texting Flora right now. <laughs> no, yeah. like I, I can tell you this. That trim hasn't been done in 10 years. <laughs> oh, it's still more than that. Memorial um, Day weekend is happening is what it sounds like. It's getting moldy. That trim is getting moldy. I, is anybody willing to wager that Tom Brady is smart enough to know that if he deflates a golf ball, it's going to cost him distance? I mean, oh, now you're getting into a subject that Miranda will have a hard opinion on. I just have personal experience of being there during Deflate Gate and saw all sides of it. That's all. Did you deflate the balls? I was not there. So when she they were was complicit. I was there in the aftermath. No. So I, did you hear that though? She she just admitted that the balls were deflated. Thank you. She wasn't there oh. when it happened, but she when the, oh. the balls in question when were, they were deflated. allegedly deflated. Mm. We now have the answer. Found oh, out on right. No Puts Given a few years later. <laughs> <laughs> allegedly. Let me put that word in there. Allegedly. Okay, one last question on the match, just because I'm curious. Um, Still don't care. Okay, well, <laughs> let's exclude Tony. Who do we think is going to win? Who are we putting our money on? Oh, Peyton Manning. He owns Tom Brady. Peyton Manning owns Tom Brady. <laughs> he owns. Yep. I believe this is a fact. You Do can you football? Check, check, like I. <laughs> yeah. Check me. Fact check this. Fact check this. But I okay. believe, I believe that Peyton Manning has a winning record versus Tom Brady. That might actually hmm. be true. And if that is true, I will stick with my original thought, which is Peyton Manning will win. If it's not true, I will still stick with my original thought that Peyton Manning will win. Okay. All right, that that I think is what uh, Vegas is predicting. They have the odds. Is this pay per view? How does it work? Uh, I think it's, it's going to be on TNT. TNT, yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't even have to pay for it. TNT is basically pay per view because you got to pay for cable, and we don't do that anymore. No, that's true. Yeah, yeah. true. <laughs> All right, friends, do we have anything else we want to break down and talk about today? Yeah, what are you guys doing in real life scenarios? What is going on with you? I uh, I think I inadvertently found my well, way into a phase two clinical trial for a <laughs> pain relief device today. It's kind of like it's like this random thing that happened. Um, How you know you're getting old? Oh my god! Yeah, so I'm having a perfectly innocuous, typical my golf spy phone call. The guy's name is uh, Tim Porth, who's one of the. Uh, it's a fake name. That's. I, I, it comes up on Google, man, so it's got to be real. Got to be true. He was one of the founders of Octane Fitness, which you know specialized in ellipticals and did some really cool stuff there. And one of the guys he started that company with and a couple other guys, uh, physical therapists, are starting another company called Stay Active, S-T-A Active. And it's a, a device that straps to wherever it needs to strap and... Are these paid for plugs? No, I know, but it's like this crazy thing. Oh, okay, I mean, just there's something because, I should know about. I mean, we're, we're, no, dro- like we, we're dropping some major like information about these people that you don't really well, know. Well, no, so it's and this is like this is kind of what I want to get back from our, our readers and listeners. Like I like I, like I tell these guys, I'm like I don't know where this fits on my golf spot, man, but like I can't be the only golfer who's not playing because his arm hurts, right? So 
Okay. So yeah, he's like, well, we got this trial. I think you might be a good fit. Next thing I know, I've got a survey in my inbox. Hey, you know, yeah. there's a rumor going around right now that we got a pay for play thing going on. So don't oh be, you know, don't be feeding <laughs> the fire, man. I know it's well, you know, if if it if it works really well and we we believe in it and we. <laughs> Uh, he wants to become an advertiser. We can talk about it, obviously, but I, you know, at this point, I don't even have the thing. I don't know if it works, but maybe since it's in trial form, we should see if you like are being required to grow like a third elbow to replace it or something. Yeah, first. Like, we honestly, should probably like, see how it goes. Hope you don't grow a third elbow, Tony. Good luck with that trial. <laughs> I, 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 all I know is in my golf swing, I can't keep this one where it's supposed to be, so I don't well, know where a third one's gonna go. If you've oh. ever videoed your swing and played it back, you can see why you have tennis elbow 100%. You haven't, you haven't, you haven't seen my swing in yeah. You haven't seen my swing in years, so you can... No one has seen your swing in years because you've had tennis elbow for what it seems like, three. Oh, <laughs> it, it feels like it, man. I'm telling you. Um, Need some CBD. Get get you some CBD cream. I, the CBD cream, I tried it. It didn't really do anything there, so... Hey, hold on. Wait, what Hank, what's Hank Haney selling all the time? Voodoo. Voodoo, you need some of that voodoo, voodoo cream. <laughs> Isn't that alcohol? I don't know. Maybe, but. yeah. That's just no. I mean, it's like one of these things where I I got a cortisone shot. It worked for a little bit, but didn't take care of the whole problem. And I know if I go back to the go back to the surgeon, he's going to want to cut or send me to a physical therapist. And this device supposedly does mostly what a physical therapist would do. So if I can, what's the guy's name again? Tim Porth. Okay, just wanted to make sure you got a domain name. If I can lay on my couch for 10 minutes a day and not watch some bullshit exhibition tournament with the four guys I could give a shit about then, and fix my elbow so that next time they're doing some shit I don't care about, I can be, go out and play golf instead. <laughs> Hell yeah, I'm, I'm for that. I was told you had to mention the name three times to get paces. So what's the name one more time? <laughs> <laughs> Stay active. Stay active. There no, you go. It's, like I said, I don't know. It's funny. Like we're plugging something that you can't even buy. So that would be like the worst money spent ever. Yeah, I don't know. So I'm banged up. I'm trying something. I talked to the guy. It seemed like an interesting concept. My elbow hurts, and so here we are. <laughs> I'm going to absolutely follow up on this, your elbow improvement. Mm, yeah, so I if if if, if this all goes through, they're going to send me a device. It's a 10-week program. I'm going to kind of track it in the forum because I got to – that's part of the thing. Like, I got to <laughs> fill out surveys every week. It's, it's Wait a, a thing. Wait a it's now member testing in the forum. Is that what you just <laughs> no, said? No, it's just me. Just me. <laughs> no wow. members. Just me. I'm the only member testing. <laughs> Does anyone else have any weird injuries or anything like that? <laughs> oh, shit. I don't have uh, any weird injuries. I've just been hanging out. Well, hot tub. I've been hot tubbing oh. a lot lately. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell so. us about the hot tub spy. <laughs> yeah, and you can, you can say it without laughing. You don't have to laugh when you say it. But. I can't. Can. <laughs> I'll do my best. Yeah, my tub spy. It's a little segment, you know, we might try out here. Uh, when I go in the hot tub, I like to do two things. I like to eat ice cream, and I like to think about golf. Uh, and that's God's honest truth. And so sometimes I'm sitting in the hot tub, I come up with a question. And so we're going to start bringing you some questions straight out of the hot tub. So Okay, give me an example. How can I fix Tony's elbow? Bingo. <laughs> and the idea exactly. is to put it out to your Twitter, Instagram followers and get their thoughts on it? Yeah, some will be just kind of generic questions, things that come up in conversation that you know certainly aren't worthy of an article, but maybe worthy of a little conversation, um, or just uh, you know random thoughts, things that I come up with that I think uh, we might want to know the answer to. Like, 
why are some golf balls colored? You know, we already covered that, but you know, I, I feel like this is all just an elaborate plan for you to post some videos of yourselves without a shirt on, which is <laughs> I mean, frankly just a little awkward for everybody. But you do you, man. <laughs> it's called the Greg Norman complex, and that's what I'm working <laughs> on. Is I just find anything that I can to to show off my robust if, figure. If if Greg Norman ate Patrick Reed. <laughs> Do you have to eat the ice cream faster because it melts from uh, the- He has no problems with that. I was going to say, I've never been in a situation where the ice cream had a chance to melt. It <laughs> 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 doesn't happen. I'd say one of the cool... I mean, I saw the videos come through when we were talking about it, right? And one question I liked was, if golf companies had to tell the truth for 24 hours, what would you ask them? I think that's a good question. Mm. I like that one. That, that might, be, might have to be one of the first ones out. Okay, okay, we'll see. This will be fun. Chris is also going to ask other companies, you know, or companies questions, right? So uh, it's not just for Twitter fodder and, you know, back and forth, but there'll be some golf companies answering questions too. Indeed. I like it. All right, guys. Well, thanks for a wonderful, enlightening chat this week. We'll get back together next week. Uh, until then, we out.